Welcome, everybody, to the Chilling with Dylan podcast. Today's guest is a member of the legendary Cookout Alliance on Big Brother 23. She's one of my favorite players this season. It is Hannah Chatta. Hope you guys all enjoy the interview. Um, the next guest on the Chilling with Dylan podcast is one of the legendary members of the Cookout Alliance. We were rooting for her all the way and almost got to the end. It is Hannah Chatta. Hannah, how are you doing today? I'm so well, Dylan. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, so how I start every podcast, 2020 was a rough year. 2020 has gotten a little bit better. I want to just know how was your 2020? How are you doing? Obviously, you just got to the Big Brother house. So how's everything going for you? My 2021? Yeah. Um, my 2021 has been wild. Um, never in a million years in January did I believe that um, I'd even apply, let alone make it onto the show. Um, so this whole experience has been a blast and surreal and crazy and almost like an out-of-body experience, but I wouldn't change it for the world. <laughs> I do want to talk about getting on a big brother. Um, mm -hmm. I know there's some details that can't be shared, but I was just wondering if how did went the process? Did you apply? Was there a video sent to recruit? Like how did that whole thing work out for you? Yeah. So basically um, my little sister, she's going to school for advertising, but she wants to get into digital production. And I started watching the show in January, but I, I didn't just start watching the show. I essentially binged it. I would get through like three seasons a week. Um, I was crazy about uh, Big Brother, still am. But um, my sister also likes watching the show. And she was like, Hannah, you're such a big fan. I think you'd be great at the game. And you turned 21 like two weeks before um, the deadline. So she was like, why don't I help you make a video? I can edit it. I can film it. I can style you for it. I can list out your talking points. So for us, it was almost like a fun project. Of course, I wanted to get on the show, but when there are so many applicants each cycle, you never think that you're going to be selected or you're even going to hear back from them. So it was one of those things where I was like, of course, I want to be on Big Brother, but do I even think that I'll hear back from them? And the casting team is amazing. They actually sit and watch every single video, regardless of how many submissions um, they get each application cycle. So um, my sister and I had, you know, a fun time filming. She uh, typed up my application. She wrote it all out for me. Um, she she was the brains behind this operation. And she was the one who sent it in. And this was um, right around her birthday. So I want to say the middle of February. And then um, three weeks later, sure enough, I got a call from the casting team. And then from there, it was just a bunch of interviews, everything was done virtually because of COVID. I think normally um, the semifinalists and the finalists will fly out to a hotel in LA and stay there for a week. And that's kind of how they decide on their cast. But yeah, this, uh, this application cycle, everything was done through Zoom. So when they casted me, I guess they, they didn't really know what I looked like. They had my information, but they had never seen me in person. Mm -hmm. And through that process, was there ever a time where you were like, I know I'm going to be on the show. Like I've interviewed some people from the challenge mm -hmm. and their original shows, they were like sending my video in and how interested they were in me. I knew hundred percent they were going to cast me. Did you ever have that confidence level or were you kind of just like hesitant the whole time until they finally gave you their call? Um, okay. I guess a combination of two things. One, I am a confident individual and I really did believe in myself throughout the entire casting process. I was like, they've never had anyone on the show who's like me. So they'd almost be dumb to not want to cast me. Um, but I'm also a realist. I wouldn't say I'm 
a dreamer or an idealist. Uh So, um, I tried not to get my hopes up. I, um, had a plan a for if I got on the show and then I had a plan B for if I didn't get on the show, because if you look at the the numbers, the probability, the statistics, chances were that I wasn't going to get on the show. So I, I had, you know, something in place for if, you know, that didn't happen and then I could continue with my life. And then I had a plan in place for if that did happen. And here I am. So I had faith in myself, but I wasn't too, I wasn't overly confident because I didn't want to set myself up for disappointment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to talk about that first, the week of quarantine and then the first week in the house when you got to meet everybody. Just if you could just talk about like that surreal experience of finally being in the house, meeting the other 15 contestants and having all these cameras follow your every moment of life. Yeah, so I'm not going to lie. I had a rough time adjusting to the house. The pre-move and sequester was a-okay for me. I had my logic puzzles. I had books. I had um, movies and TV shows to watch. So that all kept me occupied. But um, when I got into the house, it was almost like stimulus overload. And then also like that compounded with me not believing that I had made it onto the show. And, you know, I was finally on Big Brother with 15 other super fans. Well, not necessarily 15 other super fans, but 15 people, 15 other people who came to play just as much as I did. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it was, it was overwhelming for sure. For the first four days, it was hard for me to eat. I barely slept. I kind of had a nervous breakdown every morning when my name got drawn for the wild card competition, I was literally in the gym shaking and Brent, um, Whitney and DX had to help like calm me down and they had to help me get it together before I played. Um, so yeah, rough adjustment just because, you know, you have the lights, you have, um, the mics, you have the cameras. It's just a a totally different environment. You're completely isolated from your family and friends. Um, and, everyone came to play everyone came to win it's not like I was the only person who had the motivation or the drive to make it to the end so it was it was a lot but um after like the fifth day I um I slowly but surely started getting more comfortable in you know my new environment my new home and then I was really able to enjoy myself and get to know the other house guests um so talking about the other house guests there's a game I play with every guest I've ever had. There's like a first impression game. Yeah. Um, so I want to just give you like five of your other housemates and just house guests and just tell me what your first impression you first met them was. Yeah. You know so the first one I have is uh, Big D, Derek F. Okay, so Big D, um, he was hilarious during move-in. So I was like, okay, he's funny. I like his sense of humor. Humor is kind of my language. So I was like, I can see myself getting along with this kid. Plus he reminds me of my good friend from home. So I also kind of saw like a slice of home Uh in him. Um, And what they didn't show in the show was I went up to big D, I went up to Tiff and then I believe it was Xavier or maybe it was Aza and sorry, not Aza. It was either, I think it was big D Tiff and possibly X, but I was basically like for the first time ever, there are six of us in here. Um, I would like to work with you or at the very least not target you. And I'd have your back if, you know, you're on the block. And initially, I don't think they knew that I was black. So for them, it was very much like, that's nice. Um, but, you know, by, by day three, we were on the same page. They had my back. I had theirs. Um, but yeah, that was my first impression of Big D. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one I have is Tiffany. Tiffany. Okay. Um, Tiffany's another one who reminds me of someone from home. She is very similar to my auntie Trish, just in her 
in her mannerisms and her cadence and the way that she carries herself and talks. Um, and Tiffany was actually the first person that I saw from the show outside of the studio. And um, even though she had her mask on, she smiled at me with the warmest eyes. Um, so I, I just felt I don't know. I felt like she would be very nurturing. I, it's almost, it's crazy. It's kind of like I first saw the relationship that we were going to have. And fun, funny enough, um, she said that I look very, very similar to her younger sister. So night one, she was like, I'd like it to be you and me to the end. Yeah. And that was the start of the vendetta. <laughs> I, um, the next one I have is Sarah Beth. Sarah Beth. Um, she had on like a, a cute little quirky outfit kind of reminded me of the the girl from Wreck-It Ralph she's got like she's she has a very childlike voice um so I just thought she was adorable I I'm not sure if she you know made the most lasting impression on me um but I just thought okay this this girl's um cute I also thought to myself this is kind of the niche that I'm trying to film sorry not yeah. film, but Phil. Yeah. Um, because I came into the house wanting to be everyone's baby sister. I wanted everyone to feel protective over me. I wanted everyone to feel like I should be untouchable because of how young and naive and innocent I am. So I was like, hmm, it seems like she's kind of trying to do the same thing that I'm trying to do. Let me keep my eye out on her. Um, but overall, I just thought she was cute. Mm -hmm. Um, the next one I have was the first boot, Travis. <laughs> um, my first impression of Travis, I thought John B. from um, <laughs> Outer Banks. Um, I thought Tyler from season 20. In fact, I kept calling Travis and Christian Tyler and John B. Like I could not get their names for the first yeah. two or three days. Um, I don't. Uh, yeah, Travis didn't leave a lasting impression on me either. I guess when he was on the block, um, I hadn't spoken any game with him. Um, he and I had barely made any conversation in the house. So I was like, mm, if if he doesn't end up leaving and Alyssa um, gets the first boot, then I'm going to have to keep my eye on him just because I don't know where his head's at. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, also like the, the showmance between DX and Travis. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> um, so the last one for first impressions is going to translate into the next conversation, but Frenchie. <laughs> Frenchie. Okay. So my first impression of Frenchie was during move-in. Um, he reminded me of Donnie with his um, Southern dialect. He had the overalls, he had the beard, the hat. Um, and he seemed like you know, someone who um, came on the show because he's such a big fan and because he loves and respects the game, but also he was playing for his children and uh, his wife and his family. So I thought, okay, he's he's a family man, kind of like Derek from season 16, but with, um, you know, hints of Donnie sprinkled in there. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I did feel drawn to him. I felt like, okay, this guy's going to be trustworthy. Um, I'm not sure if he quite grasps um, how manipulative people can be like what if he's just one of those people who chooses to see the best in everyone and then he and I had a conversation night one with Claire and Aza I believe and he was like my first target is Brent and in my head I'm thinking does he know that I'm on the same team 
as Brent. Maybe he's baiting me. Maybe he wants to see if I'm going to run back to Brent and say that, hey, the HOH is thinking about targeting you. So I didn't explicitly tell Brent anything, but I was like, hmm, this guy's kind of messy. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do with him. And then night two, he said something like, you're very intelligent. You and I think the same way. So I feel like I have to keep you close because I don't know if I can trust you. And then after night two, I was like, I want this guy to forget that I'm even in the house. I have to lay so, so low because he's throwing out everyone's name and God forbid he settles on me because he just doesn't have any other options. Maybe he has a deal with everyone. Um, so yeah, Frenchie kind of derailed my plans to come in the house hot. Um, I, I really had to take a back seat and just kind of blend into the background for the first two weeks. Cause I did not know what Frenchie was saying about me or how or if he was planning on throwing me under the bus um so i do want to get into frenchie's mess i guess is the best word yeah the reign of terror the fun house the yeah um so we just talk about week one his hoh reign um i know a couple of other players have came out and said that we missed a lot on the show that wasn't even shown um And there was even parts on the live feeds where Frenchie said he's not going to nominate a woman or a person of color week one, and he nominated Alyssa and Kyland. So if you could just, I mean, I don't even know how to ask, but just go into week one and your thoughts on everything that transpired, because it was was a complete and utter mess. Yeah, so um, part of the reason why I felt drawn to Frenchie initially and why I found him to be a trustworthy Um, a trustworthy individual is because he told me that he had no intentions of sending a minority out the door or a woman. Listen, I'm a POC. I'm black. I'm Indian. I'm two minorities and I'm a woman. So I was like, I am triple good here. I don't have anything to worry about. And then of course he throws up Kyland and Alyssa, Alyssa being a Latina woman and Kyland being a Latino man and a black man. Um, so I was like, okay, he has promised too many people, too many things. I guess he doesn't care who he sends home, even though, you know, he told us one thing at the beginning of the week, obviously his actions have proven otherwise. And I remember night two, he like threw Derek X under the bus, trying to bait him. Derek X ended up throwing Travis under the bus. Travis ended up throwing Kyland under the bus. Um, and then Frenchie was like, listen, he... I think gathered like 11 of us by the hammock. And he was like, you are the people that I feel good um, about. That was like Slaughterhouse One and then Slaughterhouse 1.5 was formed later. But um, he was like, you people, I feel good about, no need to worry. And I was like, oh wow, I am quadruple covered here. Um, And then he leaves and five minutes later, he comes back and he's like, oh, by the way, I wanna make this into a line. I'm sorry, I can't talk. I want to make this into an alliance. Um, you guys have about five minutes to let me know if you want to work together. And I'm just sitting there like anything over, anything larger than a six person alliance just historically does not work in the Big Brother. There, there's just no way any 11 person alliance would implode within a day, maybe two. Um, so Frenchie left. He was like, you have five minutes to respond almost like giving us an ultimatum. I just left. Cause I was like, when he comes back, I don't want to be here. I don't want to feel pressure to say yes or no in front of all of these people, because that's going to show my cards way too soon. And I don't trust anyone here. Um, so I left, I come back. And then I think it's just me, Alyssa, Claire, and, um, Aza, and maybe like two, one or two other women. I, I can't exactly remember. Frenchie comes back again and he goes, listen, I'm going to need to use one of you as a pawn. 
even though he had just told us that, you know, all of us were good. We were working in an 11 person alliance. He's not going to nominate a woman. He's not going to nominate a minority. So again, I just kind of had to go into shutdown and become Casper the friendly ghost. Um, Frenchie's HOH week was very, very erratic. Um, he was a wild card. He was unpredictable. He was just a walking and ticking time bomb. So when I saw that he was getting close to Brent and Whitney, I was like, this is bad for my game because Frenchie's probably going to be the next person to leave. Brent and Whitney are probably going to follow not too shortly after, and I'm on their team. So the last thing I want to do is be associated with any of this mess. Um, just caused me to months yeah. the rest of the week. Um, so week two, Kylan wins HOH and obviously Frenchie's um, the boot. I want to talk about that first challenge, Frenchie had the opportunity to win safety for two weeks mm-hmm. and he didn't pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. He decided not to. If he would have done it and won and he would have been safe, who do you think the target would have been for Kylan week two? I think it would have been Brent because Brent was seen as Frenchie's right-hand man. So, you know, if he couldn't trust or sorry, if he couldn't touch Frenchie due to immunity that he had received the week before, then why not, you know, cut his legs? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so going into that, I want us to talk about the most iconic part of the whole season, the cookout. Um, mm-hmm. So we see some clips of, I think it was Aza, Derek, Xavier, and Tiffany talking in the kitchen. But I think what the most um, like legendary thing is you guys didn't even have a full meeting until, until like weeks, weeks, weeks in advance. So yeah. when do you think it became, well, if you could just talk about the cookouts like the beginning of the cookout, because I feel like there were some things we didn't see. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when do you think it became, instead of you guys just watching each other's backs, an mm-hmm. actual alliance that was truly going to dominate the entire game? Yeah, um, that's a really good question, because I think there are a lot of misconceptions about who started the cookout and who came up with the master plan. And when we, um, I guess I'll just start from the beginning. So before walking into the house, I think all of us were on the same page. Now, we didn't necessarily want to be in an alliance with the other Black House guests, but for me, um, I knew that I didn't want to target them. I knew that um, I didn't want to put them on the block, and I knew that I would never vote another one of us out. Um, that's just kind of the understanding that I had, and thankfully, that's the understanding that the six of us collectively had, um, which wasn't guaranteed. I didn't know where everyone else's head would be at um, when we first walked into the house. Like I said, I walked up to Xavier, Tiff, and Big D and was basically like, I want to protect you guys if you guys can offer me that same protection because we already know what it is. This is the first time we've ever had the numbers. This is probably the last time that we're ever going to have the numbers. So we have to take advantage of this opportunity. Um, Like I said, I don't think they knew that I was referring to us being black because they thought I was uh, Latina. I don't don't think they knew that I was black with the exception of Tiff. So they were probably like, oh, that's cute. Well, by day three, um, it was clarified that I was in fact talking about the black house guests and not just the POC house guests. So um, they kept me at arm's length because of my age. I don't think they knew if they could trust me. I don't think Um, They were sure whether or not I was actually committed to the mission. And that's fair because if someone who was much younger than me walked into the house, I'd probably have that same instinctive reaction where I'd want to keep them at a distance, but I'd still look out for them just like I fully intended on looking out for the five of them. 
Um, so uh, day one, Big D went up to all of them and Xavier came up with the name. It was the cookout, but it wasn't an actual alliance. Um, I'd say it was more of like an agreement that the five of them had. And then again, I was on the periphery and that's okay. I've accepted that uh, because we didn't really have a plan to get to the end. I don't think we knew what what we even wanted out of the season um, because at the beginning it wasn't let's get the six of us to final six. I think it was just, you know, if you ever find yourself in danger, I'm not going to vote against you. Um, and I'm going to try to keep you out of harm's way as much as I can without jeopardizing my other relationships in the house. Now by week three, um, Tiffany came up with the brilliant master plan. I was finally roped in um, to what I would say became an alliance because now we had a concrete plan. We had a concrete objective and that was to make it to the end. So now we finally knew what we wanted out of this season and we finally knew how to get there. Um, so I'd say week four is probably when the cookout started dominating because um, maybe not week four, maybe week five, because we finally had, um, we finally comprised half the house before um, it was more so the Royal flush that dominated because they had won back-to-back HOHs and they possessed the majority. But of course, once, you know, DX targeted Christian, that kind of flushed the Royal flush down the toilet. Um, and then the cookout became the only large alliance in the house. And at that point, we just steamrolled our way to the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to know, when did you think uh, how, about outside perspective of the house and how legendary the cookout alliance would become? Like, was that ever in your guys' mind when you were in the house or did yeah. you not think about it until final six? Like, what was your guys' thoughts in your little big brother bubble in the house about the outside perspective? Yeah, so um, my hope um, was that the audience would understand why the mission was so important to myself and the other members of the cookout, just because when, when you're a black house guest, um, it's discouraging to see people who look like you get sent home right off the bat and not really even get the chance to play. And like I talked about earlier, this was the first time that we had the numbers on our side. Um, so of course we were gonna take advantage of that. Um, yeah, I, I'd say that before season 23, Big Brother was just a large disappointment for people of color, especially black people. If you look at the, the past final sixes, like the, the previous 22 final sixes, um, I think we've only had two black house guests. Um, yeah, I know. Um, Daniel Reyes and then Kalia from season 13. Yeah. So out of 22 seasons, we've only had two black people make it to final six. And we were really determined to change that. We were really determined to represent our community well and to show that the black community within itself is so diverse. Mm -hmm. um, we don't have to fit into your stereotypes or your archetypes. Um, so that was, that was the mission and we were able to um, accomplish it. So I think once we got to final six, we were like, wow, we really made history. All of our sacrifices have paid off. Um, we know that we've made history. We know the significance of this moment for the franchise and for all Big Brother house guests, especially Black Big Brother house guests to come. Um, so hopefully, you know, America understands the mission. Hopefully they accept it. Hopefully they support it because of how important it is to us. 
Yeah, it was a huge moment when you got to final six. Mm-hmm. I was rooting for you guys, to be completely honest. You and Tiffany were my favorite two. Um, I was hoping you guys would get to the final two. A little let down at the end. Um, it was <laughs> but so it was, many times. It was, a, it was a huge, huge legendary season um, for that. I do want to talk about some hiccups along the road. Um, when I think it was week four or five when Christian was trying to target you. Um, so my first question, this is a hypothetical situation, but we've seen couples link up in the past, like Big Brother 13 with Rachel and Brennan and Jeff and Jordan. So I saw on Twitter, some people at that time were wondering if you and DX, who kind of had a thing going on, and Alyssa and Christian, who kind of had a thing going on, would ever team up. Obviously, they, uh, DX and Alyssa didn't know about the cookout, and the cookout was the number one priority. But was there ever talks or of a couple thing or the young four going to the end or anything like that at all? Yeah, so um, we actually did have a final four. Not sure if they, I, I don't, I don't think they showed that on um, the show itself. And I'm not sure if any of that was captured in the live feeds, but me, DX, Alyssa and Christian did have um, an agreement because if not for the cookout, that would have made the most sense. Me and DX were a strong duo. Alyssa and Christian were a strong duo. Christian and DX had similar competitive um, skills and strengths. And then me and Alyssa kind of played similar. I'm so sorry. I can't talk to them. Um, and then me and Alyssa kind of played similar roles in our individual relationships in the sense that Alyssa was kind of like the brains and the strategist for her and Christian. And because DX didn't know the game that well, he would often turn to me for strategic input. Um, And all four of us played strong social games in our own kind of ways. And we played different social games. So we were, like I said, if not for the cookout, I probably would have rode with those three to the end because DX and Christian were shields for each other. And then me and Alyssa would have also been shields for each other um, and in a comparable way, um, I don't think we would have been targeted before DX and Christian. So mm-hmm. if anything, they were also shielding us within that yeah. agreement of four. But because of the cookout, um, I had no intentions of honoring mm-hmm. my loyalties to any of those three. And that's a shame. But that was almost set up so that in the event that Alyssa won the following HOH, um, me and DX could have been protected. Yeah, I feel like there was a lot of alliances made in the beginning and a lot of them were made by Frenchie that just kind of like fizzled out um mm-hmm. so a, a move that I don't think you get enough credit for is getting off the target um when Christian was the HOH so if you could just talk about that and that whole situation when Christian could have pulled the, could have tried to take DX out and then he uh Whitney went out and then tried to get you out and that whole messy situation right before jury yeah, um, that that week is interesting because while I was in the house, the cookout kind of made me believe that they were the ones who shifted the target from myself to Whitney and they did help. Um, they did have my back, Kylan, Xavier and um, Tiffany. So I'm going to give them that credit um, and say thanks. But they almost made me believe that my conversations with Christian had no impact on Christian's decision to target Whitney instead of myself when you had Alyssa and Sarah Beth pushing for me to go home. Um, So thank you for saying that I don't deserve, or thank you for saying that I deserve almost more credit for that because I did not 
know that in the house. Um, in the house, they kind of made me believe something totally different. Um, but with, I guess something that I tried to do in the house was um, speak everyone's language because everyone converses differently. Everyone has a different communication style. And I really tried studying that in everyone and playing to that, if that makes sense. So like the way that I spoke to Christian was totally different from the way that I spoke to Kyland. And I was very aware of my interactions with them and my body language and my eye contact. Everything was very, very intentional. Christian is Christian doesn't know the game that well. So he doesn't really appeal to strategy and logic. Christian, I think, was fed by his personal relationships with people. That's how he felt safe with you in the game. That's how he felt comfortable with you in the game. That's what got him to trust you, not necessarily what made sense for his personal game. So I appealed to his emotions. I used ethos instead of logos. Um, and basically I had to play this sad puppy dog like Christian you know that I would never put you on the block because the second that I put you on the block, you'd go home. And I'm smart enough to realize that. So keep me because you have an ally in me and the team twist is about to end. So can you really say that about anyone on the Queens? Can you say that about anyone on the Jokers? No, probably not. And if they did promise you something, today was probably the first game related conversation that you guys had, whereas you and I go way back to night two. So Again, just kind of um, playing into and um, propelling his guilt because I figured that was going to work with him. And I guess it did. Mm -hmm. um, I want to talk about a move that didn't really impact the cook unnecessarily, but Christian taking out Whitney when Whitney was trying to get him to take out DX. If Christian did, instead of Whitney, take out DX pre-jury, how do you think that would have snowballed the entire game Ooh. and stayed? That's interesting. Um, so um, if DX had gone home, then Whitney would have had to be my person um, in jury because everyone um, in the cookout got their, their yeah. duo partner outside of the cookout. Um, I'm not sure if we could have taken Christian out the following week I think Brittany would have maybe gone home so then Aza would have been without a person Big D would have been without a person I would have had uh Whitney instead of DX and I think Whitney I don't want to say that Whitney understood the game more than DX understood the game but I think Whitney was more strong-willed and I think she would have been harder to collaborate with um and also harder to get her to trust me then I was able to get DX to trust me in the game. Um, so that wouldn't have been ideal. And then also you would have had Alyssa and Christian in jury, a strong duo, a showman's, um, big threats in their own ways. And I'm not sure if Xavier could have had a handle on both of them because both of them would have been more loyal to each other at the end of the day than they would have been loyal to X. And the whole purpose of the master plan was so that, you know, if you are being targeted, you're put on the block next to your duo partner and then we send that duo partner home. So who would X have been put on the block with? Another thing is because each of us had our own person outside of the cookout who fully trusted us, we were in possession of all the information in the house at all times. And that was probably the most brilliant element of the master plan. But if you have two people like Alyssa and Christian who are communicating with each other more than they're communicating with X, we would have combusted. I don't think the six would have made it to six, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I think 
a DX injury and we need a DX to take that shot against Christian the following week. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Um, yeah. I do want to get into Shuri a little bit now. Um, so I'm going to skip over Brittany a little bit and go right to DX. Obviously it was um, hard for you to get rid of him. Um, you just talk about like your emotions, not necessarily gameplay because it was a movie I think you've said you've had to make, but mm -hmm. just how are you feeling because this was your number one person for, I think it was like seven weeks. Um, mm -hmm. And you guys are in your own bubble. You don't know anybody else. Like how were, how was your, your thought process through that whole, that whole week of DX leaving? Oh God. Okay. So um, that week was a roller coaster of emotions. I felt conflicted the entire time. I felt guilty. I just didn't feel good um, that week. Again, I was prepared in the sense that everyone had to lose their person at some point. Um, but of course you get protective over your own person and you want to do what you can to prolong their life in the game. Um, so going into the week, I wanted Sarah Beth to go home because Sarah Beth had had my name in her mouth um, so adamantly a couple weeks prior. And to be honest, I didn't believe that she had just gotten over that. So I wanted her out that week, but then she won HOH. Um, I didn't see her sending home Alyssa, even though that would have been my preference just because I was closely aligned with DX and Claire. Um, but then between DX and Claire, I wanted Claire gone. And of course, Claire ended up on the block. Then Xavier took himself off. And once DX was backdoored, it was almost like, I have to separate myself from my emotions um, in order to recognize that this is what makes the most sense for the cookout. And that is my purpose in this game. So it, it really tore me apart having to send him home and having such an active hand in sending him home by convincing him not to play in chopping block roulette. And when Tiffany and Aza tried orchestrating a flip, me having to be the one to shut that down, um, that killed me that because that's absolutely what I would have wanted um, to keep DX. DX was my person. I knew he wasn't coming after me. Um, but that was just one of those instances where I felt like I had to use my head instead of uh, my heart. And that was the first time that I cried in a year and a half, a year and a half. Um, and it was on live eviction night, yeah. on live television. So embarrassing, so embarrassing. But I, I really cared about him a lot in the house. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it, it crushed me. Um, so you mentioned flipping the play a little bit. I want to talk about week nine um, or just in general throughout the game. Was there any moments where you thought taking a shot at one of the guys at the cookout was the good move? Week nine, we see Tiffany takes out Claire and then you take out Alyssa. To be honest with you, part of me wanted one of you to take out X or Kylan just to solidify your guys' game because Alyssa and Claire were not going to come, come for, Alyssa might've, but Claire definitely was not going to. So I don't know if there was there any part throughout the game, but especially that double eviction that week where you guys thought the cookout is great, but for me and Hannah or me and Tiffany to get to the end, we had to take out these big threats of Kylan and Xavier. Honestly, no, that thought never crossed my mind. Um, strategically speaking, yeah, that would have made the most sense. And I was cognizant of that, but that's not something that I ever wanted to do. I was blindly loyal to this alliance because 
what I didn't want to happen, I, I guess the whole purpose of the cookout was to ensure a black winner. Mm. And the only way to maximize the possibility of having a black winner was to get six black people to final six. That way we were 100% guaranteed to have a black winner. So for me, that was something that I never wanted to mess up. Um, even though I knew that going into final six, Tiff was, you know, at the bottom of the totem pole. I thought Kyland was also somewhere near the bottom and had Kyland not won that POV um, during the second double, he would have probably gone home, to be honest. Um, and then I knew that I wasn't near the top per se, because I didn't have the strongest working relationships with the Jokers. Um, however, I was so determined to get the six of us to final six. That was something that had been in the works since day one. And I wasn't going to jeopardize that. I wasn't going to be the one to blow up the cookout. And I also didn't know how America would have reacted to that. Good. Yeah. I just, I know the goal was to get the cookout. And I think it was such a legendary moment, you at the final six. Mm -hmm. But I was wondering to myself when I was like getting ready for this interview, I was like looking through the, the season. I was like, Tiffany and Hannah had back-to-back -back HOHs. I wonder if they would have taken out at least one of them, mm -hmm. if they could have gotten to final two together, because one of the big threats of Kylan and Xavier would have been gone. Honestly, yeah. I think if Tiff and I had taken that shot, um, we could have still ensured a Black winner in either Tiffany or myself. Maybe we could have gone to the end with me, Tiff, Alyssa, and Claire, or maybe me, Tiff, Xavier, and Alyssa. I don't know what would have happened, but I think at that point, yeah, our chances of, because this was final eight, and mm -hmm. we had and six of us were, were black. So even though our chances wouldn't have been 100%, we would have still had, you know, the numbers on our side. And I think we could have still made that work without taking out Alyssa and yeah. Claire. So in hindsight, it's 2020. In no, hindsight, if I could go back, maybe that's something that I would have considered more heavily. But um, like I said, in that vacuum, I was only concerned about mm -hmm. getting the final six or getting the cookout to final six, even if that came as a detriment to my game and Tiff's game. Mm -hmm. um, I do want to talk about the week that Claire had uh, got evicted a little bit more. Tiffany wins that HOH. Um, I believe it was Kylan that was still up there. I want to just ask you, how straining was that on the relationships of Tiffany winning HOH again? She did what she had to do when taking out Claire, but I was just wondering did you see the guy start to turn on her more that she wanted to stay up there and fight for that head of household? Um, I will say this with my chest. I feel like they would have come for Tiff at six anyway. Um, Tiff was the one who came up with the master plan. Mm -hmm. um, so she was probably Xavier's biggest threat. I know her and Kylan in the house kind of went back and forth between trusting each other and then not trusting each other and then doubting each other and then being tight with each other again. So I didn't really see Kyland ultimately choosing Tiff. Um, and then Big D was paranoid about sitting next to a woman, which is stupid. But like I said, I didn't see any of them wanting to bring Tiff very far in the game, even prior to that flying Bibino's um, HOH. And then she won, which gave them like tangible ammunition to go after her at final six. Um, so yeah, again, hindsight is twenty twenty. Knowing what we know now, she should have probably just sent 
Xavier home. But Mm -hmm. at the time we were so faithful to the mission that Tiff was just like, okay, well, I, I won this HOH when it wasn't the most ideal outcome for this week. So now I have to do what I promised you guys I would do. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to talk about a move that I was literally screaming at my TV um, Mm -hmm. when Aza took you out. Um, Obviously it was a double eviction. A lot of emotions are flying in a short amount of time. Um, But it really surprised me that she used you as a pawn, um, knowing that it was at one point, three guys and three girls, what it looked like was gonna be a battle between the cookout. So if you just go through that whole night and if you expected that from Aza, um, because I I realized once you went on the were nominated as a pun, I kind of figured you were going to be heading out the door. You didn't win POV, but just you being in that position, what was your thought process? When Aza nominated me, I was shocked. Um, she told me that she was just nominate. She told me that she was just uh, nominating me in a pawn capacity, but. I kind of figured that the guys had some sort of agreement. So if I was on the block, even if Aza didn't intend for me to go home, I was going to go home because I simply did not have the numbers. I didn't have the votes. Um, So when she told me that, I think you can visibly see my face just drop because I'm not really concerned about who her target is. I'm just concerned about the votes. Um, And I knew that I didn't have them. So going... First of all, I, I was just thinking, Aza, this is so dumb. If you're trying to take out one of the guys, which you should be trying to take out one of the guys, not because they're men, but just because they're working together. How can you not see that? Then why would you put me on the block? Keep me off the block so I can vote in the way that you want me to vote. Um, so frustrating. But going into POV, I knew that if I didn't win, then I was going home. And unfortunately, I'm Let's see, I lost by one question Uh, and Kylan won. I knew that Kylan was going to use the veto on Xavier. And I told Aza, Kylan and X have a final two, put them on the block next to each other so that there's no room for one of them to save another. And then Big D ends up on the block. She didn't listen. Um, Kylan ended up taking Xavier off because Kylan decided that Xavier was the only deserving um, member of the cookout. Um, or was the only person in the cookout other than himself who was deserving of sitting in one of those final two seats. Um, so now, so Kylan and Xavier were the two votes. Um, with Xavier, I tried appealing to the big brother, little sister dynamic um, that we had in the house, just kind of trying to, to tug on his heartstrings. And then with Kylan, I knew that he um, wanted to go to the end with the strongest competitors in the house. So of course I was thinking, how could you sit here and tell me that Big D's a stronger competitor than myself when he's won absolutely nothing and hasn't had to show his cards with power. Um, whereas I'm the only female in the house who's won an HOH and a veto. And I'm, I'm tied with Alyssa and Tiff for the most comp wins um, out of the girls. So I, I was hoping that that would work, but um, ultimately they decided to keep Big D. Um, and I know why X did that because X wanted to win and Big D was his surest way of winning. Mm-hmm. Um, from Kylan, Kylan claims that it was a toss up because me and Big D played interchangeable games. Um, wow. Yeah, I'm still not sure why he voted. Well, I guess what it comes down to is Big D played Kylan's game. Big D played Xavier's game. I think Big D knew that he wasn't going to 
be able to steamroll his way to the end with competition wins. Um, so what did he do? He latched on to two of the strongest competitors and he did exactly what they told him to do. And that was smart. He, he played to his strengths and was able to compensate for his weaknesses by aligning himself with the right people. So I will give him credit, but what I wish Kylan would have said is big D is easier to beat, or he's just easier to control. Therefore he's more beneficial for my game. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's what I think the truth is, but Kylan will probably never admit that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I want to talk about the jury on two different standpoints. One, just what it was like socially, because we don't really get to see a lot of the jury except the footage that they show us. And then also gameplay wise, you guys were voting for the winner. So when you're there, was it kind of a surefire Kylan and Xavier are going to be battling it out for the winner? Um, mm -hmm. I think Ozzy would have gotten some votes and obviously Derek got to the end and didn't get any votes. So just a social standpoint and then the gameplay standpoint of Kylan and Xavier battling it out. Um, socially, I'm not going to lie. Jury house was hard for me to adjust to. I was still working through and processing me going out in a double eviction because I did not expect to be in jury that soon. Mm -hmm. um, that was rough. I just kept replaying that one veto competition. Like what if I had just answered false instead of true, then I'd still be in the house and who knows who would be in jury instead and blah, 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 blah. Um, so that was hard. Plus I just felt very guilty about sending the first five non-cookout members to jury. Um, so yeah, jury was a rough experience for me. Um, I'm not going to lie, but game-wise, um, we pretty much knew that X was going to win. If X had sat next to Aza, maybe Aza would have gotten two votes um, from like a big D and Brittany. Maybe she would have gotten three, but X would have still won. If we, if X had um, sat next to Kylan, that would have probably been a five to four vote, but I think X would have still won just because X was more well-liked and respected amongst the jury members. Um, and then obviously X sat next to big, X ended up sitting next to big D and X won unanimously. Um, and we knew that if X sat next to big D, maybe the only vote for big D would have come from like Brittany or Aza, but we pretty much, as soon as I walked into jury, we pretty much knew that X was winning the season. So I do want to talk about two scenarios, X sitting next to you and X sitting next to Tiffany. How do you think those play out? Obviously the, the game plan, uh, the gameplay at six changes because I'm assuming you and Tiffany and X are taking shots at each other the whole time, unless you come up with the final three, but how do you think those final two situations work out? Well, what's interesting is not many people know that me, Tiff and X did actually have a final three from like week, um, week four, I want to say. Um, so those were the two people that I initially planned on going to the end with, but I almost felt like I was setting myself up for failure, taking both Xavier and Tiffany. Um, I think at that point I would have been guaranteed final two, but I would have definitely lost to Tiff and I was okay with that, but I didn't want both of the people um, who had the option of taking me to be guaranteed to beat me, if that makes sense. Um, so that's when me and Tiff decided that maybe we should go the Aza route or the Kyland route, which would have benefited me more because if Kyland had taken me, I think I would have won um, just because my relationships with the jury members were a lot less contentious than his relationships were. Um, and then with Aza, I think 
if Asa had taken me, I also would have won. But going back to Xavier and Tiffany, if Xavier sat next to Tiff, he would have lost. Anyone sitting next to Tiff would have lost because she came up with the master plan and the jury members um, weren't that bitter. And so they respected that gameplay and that level of genius from her. Um, if Xavier had sat next to me, I think it would have really depended on the first two cookout members to enter jury because me and Tiff were there for 11 days. So we had a lot of time to answer questions. And I don't want to say that we necessarily influenced people's decisions, but if you want to, if you want to control the narrative, seeing as though you guys are the only two cookout members in jury, then you absolutely have the opportunity to do that. So if it was me and X and like Tiff and and Tiff was one of those first two members in jury, I think she would have really gone to bat for me. And then maybe I would have won. I think it would have been a toss up um, between me and X, but I don't think that X would have beaten me uh, unanimously, especially with Tiff and jury. Yeah. Um, so I want to go to the end. Obviously, Xavier wins 9-0 vote. Played a really great game. Deserved the win. Um, I want to talk about something that I've talked to. I think Nicole Anthony, uh, which was on my podcast a couple months ago, talked about it. But leaving the house. Like, mm -hmm. you're somebody, go to Big Brother, play this great game, leave. And then you have all these people who know your name, know everything mm -hmm. about you, have feelings about you, whether they love you or hate you. Um, I think you're at like 100,000 Instagram followers right now. Mm -hmm. How was that surreal experience leaving the house? I mean, you guys were at Taja Hall's house for, I think, like a month or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so if you just talk about that whole surreal experience of being like a celebrity in the world after coming out of Big Brother. So I would not call myself a celebrity. <laughs> call myself, um, I don't know what I'd call myself, a mess. I would call myself a hot mess. No, um, this, okay, first of all, in the house, you you're aware that you're being filmed, but you aren't aware that you're being consumed by millions of Americans. You aren't aware of how you're being received and perceived. So coming out of the house and getting hit with all of that at once, it was a lot, but thankfully I've mostly been receiving positivity and support. So I think it's been a much smoother transition back into society. But the fact that like, I'll get recognized at the grocery store and at Starbucks and at a restaurant in my hometown. Even in LA, people were like, oh my God, are you Chata from Big Brother? That was weird because before the show, I never posted on social media. Mm -hmm. um, so now that a lot of people are aware of my existence, it's not something that I've quite wrapped my head around yet, um, but I'm enjoying every minute of it. I got to live out my dream on Big Brother this summer and I get to connect with other super fans of the show. I think that's probably the coolest part about all of this for me is the fact that I've gotten connected with some BB alum like Davon, Bailey, Derek, Cody. We've met, we've had long conversations. Um, so that part's just like, oh my God. Um, and then also like connecting to other super fans. I, all I want to do is just talk about old seasons and the game. And um, yeah, it, it's been, it's been, it just makes me so happy. Yeah. Um, so I have one more question. Then I have a couple of uh, listeners sent in questions they have for you, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, so my last question I've, I had to ask, I've been getting all these questions to ask you. I feel like I would get destroyed on Twitter if I didn't, but your thoughts on Derek and Claire, their yeah. relationship, that whole thing. Cause a lot of people, that took a lot of people by surprise. Yeah. Um, I guess 
watching the show back, I can see why, because I think CBS kind of tried to push that narrative of me and DX. DX and I, I'd like to clarify, we're good friends in the house. I think you saw how much he cared about me, how much I cared about him. Um, and then also something that you didn't get to see on the show, um, but something that may have been captured in the live feeds um, was how much I loved Claire and how much Claire loved me. We had a really good friendship in the house and I still have really good friendships with the two of them. So I'm happy for them. I support them. Uh, walking into jury, the three of us, we didn't set, sorry, we didn't sit down at the same time, but I sat down with DX. I sat down with Claire and thankfully all of us were on the same page about me and DX just remaining friends. And that's all it's going to be for us. So I'm thrilled because I love the two of them mm -hmm. together and separately. <laughs> Um, so I have some listener questions. Um, let me just pull them up really quick. Sorry. Um, so the first one is, do you have any dreams or aspirations to ever do the challenge or survivor? Okay. So I'm not, you know, the most physical person. I'm <laughs> not sure if you guys know this. Um, so I don't know how well I would do on the challenge or survivor. I guess never say never, but I don't really see those shows being right up my alley. Although I would love, love, love to come back and do another season of Big Brother. I would drop whatever I'm doing in a heartbeat. I'll be a doc I'll become a doctor whenever I become a doctor, but I would love to come back and do another season. Yeah. I think you would do amazing on Big Brother. I mean, on Big Brother, The Challenge and Survivor. Just a heads up, I watch all of them. And I also think you could do really well in The Circle. I don't know if you know what that is on Netflix. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I, I think you're smart, smarter than most people on these shows where I think you could thrive on all of them. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. I just, I don't really have the muscles. So I don't know about that one. <laughs> um, the next one I have, this is kind of gonna be a weird question, but a couple people asked it. They heard that the ceilings were kind of dirty. Mm -hmm. in the house. If you just, I don't know. I don't know really what to ask about this, but if, is that true? Are the ceilings dirty? The ceilings were dusty. They, they were dusty. Like you could see people's handprints. You could see like people, um, I guess production or whoever um, built the set drew like little smiley faces in the dust and would have like, would write messages on the ceiling with the dust. It, it was nasty. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last viewer question I have is your favorite season of all time and your favorite player of all time. Ooh, okay. Um, Favorite season of all time. I go back and forth on this one. Eight's a really good one for the entertainment value. Um, yes. and the iconic feud between Jen and Evil Dick. Um, but oh, I also loved 12 because the brigade, I don't want to say that the brigade was the blueprint for the cookout, but we definitely took their strategy and refined it. Mm. Um, so the brigade, brilliant. I also love Enzo. That's no secret. Um, I don't know, maybe 14, but also 17. I don't know. I don't know, Dylan. I, I love, um, I loved 14 because of Ian and Dan. I feel like I could have played an Ian game. I didn't really get the chance to because of the cookout, but that's kind of who I wanted to emulate. And then Dan's funeral, iconic. The blind side of Shane, absolutely iconic. And then Vanessa Russo, just. Yeah, no, I think. My, I think the best season of all time is Big Brother 10, just because of the mess that that is. But my favorite is either 13 because of Rachel and 
Danielle Donato or 17 because I mean we got Vanessa and we got Davon I mean you can't yes. remember either one of those yes uh Davon is my favorite player of all time I unfortunately in her previous season she was not dealt a good hand mm-hmm. um she didn't have the numbers on her side in terms of like allies of color because oftentimes the white people will just band together and then get rid of everyone else so unfortunately she didn't have you know the she didn't have enough allies on her side in 22 18 and 17 yeah Um, but she and I think that kind of caused her to feel isolated and othered in the house and I can't even imagine what that experience um was like for her what that experience was like for Bailey Dominique uh Zakia Kemi and everyone who's come before me before season 23 uh but Devon each time she comes back she she's able to get herself farther in the game she definitely comes to play she forms solid um social and personal relationships with everyone in the house so she she makes the most of her experience each time and she's a legend in my book she's an icon and even yeah. on the challenge, I know she's done with the challenge, but an icon of the challenge too. I'm obsessed, yeah. obsessed with her. She's obsessed. amazing and even better in person. I was like, I can't even, like, you're the reason why I, you know, had enough courage to apply. So I can't even believe that I'm meeting you right now. And in the house, outside of the house, I have nothing but the highest of praises to sing mm-hmm. about Devon. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to say thanks for doing this. Um, this is the time I want to give you to anything you want to shout out, where people can find you, just your time, any last words, anything you want to say. Okay, well, thank you so much, Dylan, for having me. Um, I love doing interviews where I can just talk about the game because I'm a super fan at heart and that's all I ever wanted to do before going into the Big Brother house is just talk about different seasons and different gameplays. Um, yeah, so just thank you. I, I really got to live out my dream this summer and I couldn't be any more grateful. It's still crazy to me that I was able to play Big Brother season 23, a historic season. And I was, you know, a very integral part of making that history happen. Um, So yeah, I'm just proud of my performance. I guess follow me on TikTok. It's Hannah underscore Chata. Um, Follow me on Instagram. I'm going to try to be better about posting um, at Hannah Chata. And then my Twitter, I believe, is Hannah underscore Chata. Um, So yeah, thanks guys for your love and support and uh, positivity. Thank you so much, Dylan. I hope you have a good rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Bye. That was the interview with Hannah Chatta. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. You can find her on Instagram at Hannah Chatta and on Twitter and TikTok at Hannah underscore Chatta. And I am on all social media at the Dylan Deckard. Thank you.